Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, hello everybody, everybody. Uh... We are uh, Super Mario and uh, Kylo Aren. We are in the the uh, the Samurai Brothers uh, podcast uh, episode twenty eight today. Uh, we are replacing uh, the John and the Matthew as the host for today. Hey, uh, Kylo Ren, how are you doing today? I'm doing very good. Oh, glad to see that uh, you seem more happy than usual. Well, I, uh, yes, I'm, I am currently the Supreme Commander of the New Order. Oh, that is a glad to hear. Uh, I have also brought uh, some of my friends to uh, the Yoshi, and the Luigi is also here to play today. Uh, but uh, today, uh, you know, the John and the Matthew, uh, they asked us to fill in, and uh, we have some great uh, things uh, to do today. That we do. So let us see uh, what is uh, going on. Uh, so uh, anyway, everyone, uh, welcome to today's episode. And uh, we are here. Uh, it's kind of our post-Halloween uh, episode, and we're dressing up. So as you can see, Super Mario and Kylo Ren are here to kind of give things uh, as we're going along. And uh, <coughs> we do want to do our first uh, actually movie trailer reaction that we'll be doing on the podcast. So, uh, and uh, what better trailer to re- to react to, Matthew, than uh, to a character that's near and dear to our hearts? So, uh, obviously, the Super Mario movie, it's been out, the trailer's been out for a while, but we're going to react to that, because uh, it's quite a different direction than the original Super Mario Brothers movie, right? <clears throat> yeah, the thing with the original Super Mario Brothers movie is they tried to... They, I think what they were trying to do is they were trying to go in, like, a different direction to make it unique. And, of course, the problem is that, you know, a lot of diehard fans for the time didn't like it. So, well, yeah, from from what I read about the movie also, if, if um, you know, it was a it was a husband and wife duo that were the the directors of it. And they had no idea about the characters. Or the this you know about what Mario was about. So when they were making it, they they just went in a completely diff- different direction, and apparently they went off script, and that's what ended up happening. And uh, I know that um, it was repeatedly stated by Bob Hoskins, who was Mario, that uh, was one of his most hated. He hated that role probably the most. Yeah, uh, my understanding was he and John Leguizamo would regularly drink, and that's how they were able to actually function, which you can't tell because there's such... <laughs> that either attests to how good their acting was or... <laughs> right. if If they... Well, they probably weren't hammered. They were probably just... Yeah. Like... <laughs> Under the influence enough to where it's like they were a little bit more relaxed, and they're like, "Okay, let's just do this." 
Yeah, it was, uh, well, paycheck. You can't tell that they're impassionate about the movie. Yeah, exactly. I've seen the I've seen both of those guys in more wooden performances. That one was I mean that was that was I would say that one's pretty good by by their by. standards. And let's remember we're well let's see. Bob Hoskins what is didn't didn't Bob Hoskins get an Oscar nod? Let me let me check. I think I'd he like to say an, he had an Oscar nod, yes, for something. And then John uh, Liguizamo, you know, he's been in a lot of stuff, um, you know, here and there. Um, I think what was uh, I know the biggest one he would be he would have been in recently would have been the John Wick series. I know that he was in that. Um, So, I mean, with that being said, you know, I I completely forget with. You know the roles that Bob Hoskins did—that he's British, or he was British. Yes, he was British. Yep, that he was. So let me see here. So we'll see how much we can get into uh, into uh, character with this, and then I'm not sure if it'll uh, play or if the sound will actually. Well, I don't know if you heard that or not. The the dropping rock. Well, um, are, are you are you uh, are you doing well, on, I, are you doing screen share? Yeah, I'm gonna do screen share. <clears throat> well, in a I'm gonna do it right now. I'm not sure if it had come up or not. So anyway, so yeah, Matthew, let's let's react to the the Super Mario Brothers movie trailer, and uh, we'll see if. Uh, I think uh, hopefully we can have uh, Mario and uh, Kylo Ren commenting on what they think of the uh, the trailer too here. So we'll go we'll go ahead and give a give a screen share. So I'd Matthew, rather we just do our own, but <clears throat> yeah. Okay. So let's see. Oops. Is it okay? So can you see the the YouTube? I can. All right. Well then, let's let's get right into it then. So here we go, ladies go and gentlemen. Full screen. Hmm? Go full screen on it. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah. Is my face coming up on the on the screen? Yes, your face is coming up on. The okay, screen. great. All right. Well, let's get started then. Super Mario Brothers movie reaction for the Samurai Brothers. Well, so obviously that's uh so obviously that's like some kind of a fortress or whatever it is. And then comic and the Koopa Troopers. And the big man himself. And he's being host. Uh, he's being voiced by Jack Black. And it's it's funny how the one dude. So 
Here's what we have so far. I mean, one of the things that I think was, um, you know, interesting was the yeah the fortress. But um, I know that a lot of people have been, you know, commenting. Whoever voiced Magi, the the Magi Koopa, did a good job on that. I know that I I saw quite a bit of praise in the in some of the other comments for that. But uh, it's uh, starting out interesting so far, don't you think? With this. Uh yeah, so they're like they're like going at whatever that kingdom is and yeah. but yeah, I mean spot on the design for Koopa is is uh you know I think it's pretty something. Mm-hmm. And um uh, I know a lot of people, you know, are saying that maybe the voice could have been deeper, but let's get right into it. And we got a bunch of penguins. I think this is a reference to uh, uh, Super Mario 64. <laughs> <laughs> and Bowser's just take. Oh, they got one Koopa. They got one Koopa. <laughs> and then he just, yeah, barrels down the, the gates. So, uh, obviously, they're utilizing Bowser and his uh, his flame breath, and uh, pretty much those guys are powerless, right? I think. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like I said, the penguins, are, I think, are a reference to uh, uh, Mario sixty four, where the um, where the what where uh, that one stage where you help the penguins, but yeah, so. <laughs> They're going up against, yeah, they're thinking, oh, we're going to pelt you with snowballs, and Bowser's just like. <laughs> well, I mean, when, when they're dropping lava rocks and then, you know, flame and everything, uh, you know, usually ice doesn't work too well against flame and stuff like that. Well, it's yeah, especially against, yeah, lava. <laughs> yeah. Well, All you right. know, uh, one one commentator that I uh, watched who also did the reaction noted how there's like a lot of variety in the the Koopa Troopers. So there, if you yeah, look, I, if you look closely, there's variety in like the the types of Koopa Troopers. Well, that probably reflects the times. Obviously, when it came out originally, you know, you only had certain types, and then as the games have progressed, as time has gone on, it's it's. They've got their variety of Koopa Troopers. Yeah, so you've got who knows how many varieties of Koopa Troopers. And they're actually looking them look competent. Because, mm-hmm. you know, normally Koopa Troopers are easy, 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 easy. And another thing, um, I think the reason why they left out the Goombas is because originally the Goombas were from the Mushroom Kingdom. Right. So, and they defect, they were like some kind of Mushroom Kingdom... Which makes sense. They look like mushrooms. Uh, they're some kind of mushroom kingdom creatures, and they defected to um, Bowser's side. Is is what happened. So oh. it, it's this. This is not. Um, so so the the um, Goombas being absent is not really um, you know inconsistent with um, the. Uh, with the the Mario universe, but yeah, and then the, yeah, and then this, and of course they showed, uh, 
you know. Um, well, let's let's see how it goes. And then they showed, and then yeah, they showed comics. Um, yeah. Powers, he is the power. magical yeah. one. And then they showed um, Bowser's goal, which is he's going for the star of power. So let's let's finish this trailer up, and then we'll we'll finish out with this reaction. Here we go. All right, so yeah, that's uh, that's it. That is the. Let me see. Stop screen sharing here. All right, Matthew. So yeah, that is the Super Mario Brothers movie. So coming out next year, and uh, you know, I'm actually pretty excited. I'll tell you what, because uh, it happened before and it happened this time. I got goosebumps from hearing that little Mario tune. The ding, 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 ding. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, it's full like orchestral. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? I'm I'm glad that uh, they decided to go the animated route, not the uh, the live action route. Yeah, because the reality is, despite all the technology and like the live capture and everything, it's like you're limited in what you can do. Um, you know, it with the live action route but you know if you do if you you can do it's 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 always been that way you can do stuff with live with with animation that you cannot do no matter how much technology you have with um with live action so um another thing that um uh, again i've watched a few different commentators and they mentioned how in the background you actually see little background uh like characters from uh, the various uh, video games, and then also the um, well, the most obvious fact is that um, well, it's like you, there's Toad, there's Mario, um, and then um, the the you know Toad saying "Don't touch that mushroom, you'll die." That's an obvious reference to in the first game there was the poison mushrooms. Right. The the lot the lost levels uh, had the poison mushroom. Oh, it was the lost levels. Okay. Which, right. Yeah. The poison mushroom. Which Poison mushroom fact, didn't come up in the first one. Uh, they didn't come up? Well, so you had, so what ended up, you know, you had Super Mario Brothers, which was 1985. Yeah. And then they, they released a second version of it. And in Japan, it was Super Mario Brothers 2. But it was never released in the U.S. because Nintendo deemed it too difficult for... Nintendo America. Right. They deemed it too difficult for the customers. So... But they re-released they they released it for the first time uh, with the um, the All Stars uh, game pack, and it was yeah it was released as the Lost Levels. 
Right, it was released as the Lost Levels because yeah, the yeah what what became known as Super Mario Brothers Two in the U.S. was originally a completely separate game game called Doki Doki Panic, and they basically um what's it called swapped the yeah they palette swapped yeah they palette swapped the characters, and that's the first adaption in which Luigi is portrayed as being taller than Mario. Right, and that's. That's how it kind of canonically came to be that, yeah, Luigi is taller than Mario. Though I have seen some adaptions where they they are the same height. Right. It just, it just, most games, uh, yeah. Luigi right, most games nowadays do portray Luigi as taller than Mario. Yeah. Because uh, I think, and, and I think they did release Super Mario Bros. 2 in Japan. And that one they release they they, they release it as um, Super Mario USA. So well, that would make sense considering that it was originally right. It was it ended up coming from the U.S. Um, <clears throat> and obviously, Super Mario Bros. Three didn't change at all. Yeah, it was universal across the board. Right. And then that happens to games a lot because I remember there were like three different actually. There were four different games of Pokemon, for example. There was in Japan, right. you red, green, and blue were all released, and then yellow was released as uh, after the the anime came out, right? Which adapted the anime. But um, my understanding was only red came out. Uh, the only right. version unchanged. that came out in its original form uh, in the U.S. was red. Blue was, which turns out was actually, uh, no, wait a minute. Um, green, which, uh, so Japanese right. blue was another upgrade from the the first two. Japanese green became uh, American blue. Right, right. And Japanese yeah. blue, Japanese blue never, ne was never released in any form in the U.S. Right. Which would have been interesting, but, you know. Yeah. I still have my American Blue. Yeah. I, I don't have anything to, I don't have anything to play it on, but I still have my American Blue. Yeah. Probably the better thing to do would be to get, like, a, a, uh, a DS. And then you can get, like, the, um, because DS, the, the original DS can, can, and a DS Lite, I think can still play GBA games. And so, oh yeah, get try to get so, one of those because they're Right, you could get you could get like the um the ruby red or the emerald green, I think. Uh, cuz they re they re-released re those versions on um, on for GBA. You know, that's that's another thing. Um I was actually um I recently watched another um uh, and, it, and it came out on an on, on educational, um, uh, what's it called, um, channel that I normally watch on YouTube. It's called, I think it was Knowledge Hub, but it might have been Pointless Hub. But um, the guy talked about um, the Pokemon games and how there's not a whole lot of variation and upgrade nowadays from game to game. And he pointed out that like something like, I think 75% or it might have been 80%, but a large amount of the revenue that comes from the Pokemon franchise nowadays is merchandise sales. Right. We're, yeah, it's any 
like the games and even like the Pokemon cards are an ex- like compared to the larger part of the revenue is a small part of the revenue. Yeah, because I'm always seeing like videos or, you know, people like stream on Twitch where they're opening up the Pokemon cards and trying to get, you know, the, uh, you know, they're trying to find these rare cards. I think also it's really diluted the, the, the card game is the fact that they, you know, you can have like five different versions of a rare card in the same packet. It's kind of like what they did with the Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Where um, you know originally, so you know the rarities in the in the Pokemon card packs were just you know you had your hollow rare, you had your non non hollow rares, and that was pretty much it. Now and then when when they released those those original Japanese packs in the U.S., you know you had your cards that had the hollow rare, and then you had those same cards would have a non hollow, and then you had your regular rare cards so then it ended up being three types but then now there's like this ex rare and then there's like the whole card is going to be hollow where you know it used to be just a picture it's all this different type of stuff and and um i think that's where it really you know dilutes the market and stuff these days um but i was you know um i went i want i went onto this website uh couple days ago a website that you know i used to go on to i don't know if you remember it but do you remember how um sometimes i would buy these these magazines that uh had like the card prices and stuff uh yeah i remember those yeah i think it was like a it was um beckett which they're still around um it was like beckett uh magazine which would list you know the monthly prices of, of cards and stuff like that. Um, they weren't the specific website I went to, but I know that they're still around. And I think a lot of times, you know, you have to subscribe to these sites if you want to get like the upgraded pricing and stuff. But really, well, that's they have, for, to, they have to make money somehow. Right. But that's really for for places that are. You know, you would really be subscribing to that if if you're in in the industry, you know, you're selling you're buying and selling the, you know, being a card collector or, you know, card trader, I guess. Obviously, we we kind of we kind of still have our cards and I've been wanting to try and get into, you know. You know our dear trading. sister actually restarted collecting them, I think, on more of a casual basis, kind of like how I started recollecting Yu-Gi-Oh cards on a casual basis. Honestly, when it comes like. For like, when one example is that when it, when it comes to like stuff like that, this this at one point there is actually a game uh, store nearby that does Yu-Gi-Oh tournaments, and at one point I was thinking, oh, I'm gonna do that. This this is the extent of my Yu-Gi-Oh um, game involvement is because because it does everything automatically. I just have to go yes or no. If I want to activate a, you know, some kind of a card, card. or something. <laughs> yeah, use a, a spell card or something. Yeah, you know, um. it, it's it's kind of funny because like the Yu-Gi-Oh debt, like 
I like I don't know how much the archetypes and I don't think that like archetypes and stuff like that is really as connected in like Pokemon, for an example, as it is in like Yu-Gi-Oh! But it's like in Yu-Gi-Oh! It's like I was thinking, oh, I'm gonna put together uh a Kaiba deck, a Yugi deck, uh uh Jonouchi or you know Joey. Joey, yeah. Yes, <laughs> as she's known in the US deck. And that's just like I'm, and I came to realize, oh my gosh, with the way the game is now, if I want to be competitive, I'm, it's like there's no way. I oh, end up, yeah. what I end up what I end up doing was I end up having a dark magician archetype deck, which is all stuff related to dark magician. I did a dark magician archetype deck. I did a blue eyes archetype deck. A Red Eyes archetype deck, and um, the other one I use is the Tune archetype deck. So, yeah, it's, it's just well, it's, you know, and you're, and you know, because we only, we only know, because we, we kind of go based on the characters from the, from the manga and the anime. So we're kind of old school when it comes to that. So I don't blame you for, you know, yeah, I stuck with what's sticking. familiar to me. Right. Honestly, even when I found out that they were starting to do stuff after the end of the original run, I was like, "This isn't the. This isn't real. It's it, well. It's and it's um, uh, like it. It wasn't. It wasn't written by um. It wasn't written by Takahashi. It. It's like none of it. It's like he did the original stuff. That was it. None of the new stuff was written by Takahashi. So as far as I'm concerned, the canon, it's like it stopped. It's at like the end it's of like Yu-Gi-Oh can hold, have this all big giant franchise. And I even I even use cards um, that came out from the filler arcs because they're useful. Right. But but it's you know as far as I'm concerned, the canon is is the original manga. And if I'm going to watch something, I'm going to watch the original, the, well, not the original, original anime, because that was limited, because there was two anime based on the original manga, but I'm going to, it's going to be dual monsters. Yeah, 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 dual monsters. You're going to watch dual monsters. Yeah, it's, it's, as far as I'm, it's like, as far as I'm I, concerned, that's. I, I will say, though, dual monsters, um, based on, you know, when I used to, you know, sometimes I would get home and I'd be watching it, you know, on the Japanese TV and stuff. I can tell you that they did have the 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 Duel Monsters did have its own fair share of um, of filler episodes. Yeah, that's like, what I talked about the, the the filler. Like the entire fourth season was a filler season. It was nothing but filler, mm-hmm. completely. And like I said, I actually use some of those cards in my decks because they're very right. useful, but it's Yeah, you know, I mean just you know what's really crazy? There's enough God card related cards and that the 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 anime versions, the, the manga anime versions of the god cards are just completely overpowered. Oh so yeah. They, <laughs> well they, they but they but the, you can still there, there are players who actually make decks based off of the God card archetypes. Well, yeah, because the original ones, when they came out, were promo only, so they weren't tournament legal. But then they managed to make the cards so that then they could... Um, they made versions of them um, so that they, they could be tournament legal, but obviously 
you know, they have to be like effect cards and, and stuff like that. Yeah, they're they're like severely dumbed down, but you could still make a deck out of those right. the god card archetypes and they're they're like it's what it's it's still possible to like oh do overpower destruction like when well because i think at some tournament because there are you know there are some cards that they were that they've released in the official you know tcg that are that are um banned from tournaments oh yeah there's plenty of them i think i think for a while even exodia was banned from uh from tournaments not anymore i've i've played um in uh in uh master duels i've played um uh exodia decks mm-hmm. but it's but I, it's also possible to beat an exodia deck because they're limited it's it's, right. it's if if i'm sure if they had a choice then everyone would be putting like the like three of each of the exodia pieces in there you can't do that because they're sim, they're they're limited. You oh, put, you can only put the five, only put the set of five in there. I'm wondering if that's what the issue was. Was that people were putting in, you know, more than one Exodia set into their decks? That might that might have been the issue because then you had a your chances of getting the whole Exodia set was a lot better than you know just one. Well, you know, for the longest time, um, the uh, what what we know as the in Japan as the Thousand Eyes Sacrifice, I think it's called Relinquished um, in the U.S., but um, that was banned for a while. Uh, I think Relinquished is the original version, and then I think, oh yeah, you might because Thousand Eyes Sacrifice, I think, is the is the um, what did they call those the the monsters when they combine? Because um, those were the purple cards. Right. Uh, those are the. Um, I uh, forget what they're called. Um, not merged. Yeah. But yeah, you know what was funny was yeah the Thousand Eyes Sacrifice. Um, that was like one of the first ultra rare cards that I was able to find. Uh, when I was, you know, collecting Yu-Gi-Oh cards, you know, I'd go to the convenience stores and buy them. Because, you know, back then, I mean, for for what for what they were charging for those cards, it's like 150 yen for five cards. Now, those packs always, you know, they didn't always have um, rare cards. You wouldn't always have rare cards. In, yeah, it wasn't uh, like it wasn't like the Pokemon cards where you're guaranteed at least one rare. Right, right, exactly. And I don't know, I don't know if it was Yu-Gi-Oh or if it was Pokemon, but sometimes you could get two rares in a, in a in a booster pack. It could have been both, for all we know. Yeah. So, um and then I, I don't know if I don't know how they do it in Japan right now, whether they're only selling the five card packs or whether they're selling them uh, as, as nine or ten card packs right now. The only, the only ones that come out over the minimums are ten cards out here. Right over here. That's why they charge like four or five dollars a pack, I think, or even six, I think. 
I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it's six right now because of the inflation. Yeah, card collecting is not a cheap hobby anymore. I'll tell you that. Yeah, it's, it, yeah, definitely not cheap hobby anymore. Yeah. Yeah, okay. but anyway, so yeah, the so yeah, the the decks that I create, they're based uh-huh. off of the the alpha monsters of the um of the archetype, not the not the core um people in the deck. Like it's 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 not it's it's not my it's not my Kaiba deck, it's not my Yugi deck, it's not my Joey deck, it's not my Pegasus deck. It's my Yeah. It's it's my it's my dark magician deck. It's my um, blue eyes deck. It's my red eyes deck, and it's my tune deck. And you know, interestingly enough, um, the deck that I'm using right now um, in Master Duels, the most that I found is the easiest to summon higher level monsters is actually my blue eyes deck. No, no, not my blue eyes deck. My red eyes deck. There's a lot of monsters in the archetype that actually um, make it easier. Their effects allows you to special summon um, the uh, higher level monsters in the deck easier. Mm. Okay. Like it, yeah, it's just it's yeah. All the other yeah the other decks it's a lot harder. It's it's possible to summon the alpha monsters but it's it's a little bit more on the difficult side so if 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 you're going purely off of the the archetype um well the way that i structure it um so i just i just my red eyes deck is just a better deck to in terms of like getting the monsters out there but we went off on it we went off on a tangent so yeah super mario is looking good yeah, you oh, know, but, so we did talk about Luigi, the the Luigi end part. So yeah, have you heard about the theories behind how um, they they worked Luigi into into the movie? Well, the the way that they it looks like it looks like Mario and Luigi are probably um, it looks like they're pro they're um it's like how it was in the original where they're from like a version of our normal world right and something happens let's just say that they like go on a plumbing job and they get sucked into the pipes and they you know mario gets plopped out into the mushroom kingdom and luigi gets plopped out into one of bowser's territories where he's chased by all the the dry yeah the dry uh yeah they're saying they're saying that maybe that might um uh, set up a side um a side arc for West. possible well no for a possible luigi's mansion movie well the actor who's portraying Louis, who's voicing luigi says he'd like to do a, a luigi's um mansion movie right yeah all right well shall we get um shall we get into the next uh part of our episode which is going to cover the uh, UFC 280, Matthew. I think we had a uh, champion, a couple of championship fights going on with that. We did. All right, uh, let's get into the UFC 280, uh, right, Mr. Matthew? So uh, I, I think for time's sake, we'll cover the main card for tonight. 
Um, you know, unless there was any significant fights that stood out to you on the prelim. There were, and then on top of that, um, the main, um, the, uh, the, uh, stream I was watching, um, it was, there were satellite issues. Mm. It, it's, all I saw was pixels. <laughs> so I, I didn't get to see the live stream. I had to go back and watch the, the highlights. And this was one of those kind of disappointing cards where all of them, the majority of them went to the decision. Mm. Okay. But Sean O'Malley somehow was able to demonstrate that he's, um, He's the real deal, and he defeated former champion Petter Jan. Mm. Yeah, I see that. I mean, well, split decision. So, I mean, you know, kind of hard to say how how good that is. I mean, but, uh, you know, if he did dominate, then that's how it went, right? Yep. Okay. So, um, and, uh, so here, here's what I, uh, something that I did, uh, find it looks like we did have a, an upset in the, actually a couple upsets, it appears. Um, if I'm going over the prelim card, you had Carol Rosa in the women's bantamweight bout upset number 12, Lena Landsberg from Sweden. Although it looks like it was a majority decision. Well, that's, then, also, that's because um, there was a... Um, Rosa delivered an illegal knee. Rosa delivered an illegal knee? Yeah. Oh, okay. That is interesting. And then uh, there was another upset. Uh, Bilal Muhammad uh, TKO'd Sean Brady, who was number eight in the welterweight bout. And he got uh, he got a uh, performance of the night for it. Ah, I see. Okay, yeah. Well, that's I definitely... think he's like from Morocco or something. I don't know. It says American mixed martial artist, but right. I think he's of Moroccan ancestry. And then uh, on the main card, we also have... Oh, he's Palestinian. Okay. On the main card, uh, also, uh, is this Benil? Benil Dariush upset Matuz Gamrot. And that was a unanimous decision. So it looks like, sounds like he definitely showed why he was the winner on that and then like you said sean o'malley uh got the win over uh petter jan on the on this uh main card event yep and then uh as so i suspected aljamain sterling defended it against uh, tj dillashaw he was um yeah he it, he was uh he was controlling that fight and then he took dillashaw down controlled him and was able so, to um my my understanding uh, my understanding also is Dillashaw hurt himself in the fight because um, Allen, you know, his teammate, uh, was checking on that, and he said that yeah, Dillashaw um, hurt his shoulder apparently. Well, that certainly happens, but. Um... Uh, 
I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, that certainly happens. Well, here's the thing. Uh, apparently, it was dislocated, and uh, which means that he'll have to get surgery on it again. And Alan is saying that he Dillashaw might be done if. Uh, well, yeah, because I don't know if I mentioned it, but like shortly after his fight with Cejudo, when he was on that two-year suspension, he yeah. got surgery on both his shoulders. Right. It's, yeah, it's just one of those things where it's like, you know what, he had his time in the sun, but uh, he's getting older and he's had injuries and it's just possible that, you know, it's, yeah, this might, might be might it. Time to, yeah, it might be time to... It might be time to hang up the gloves. Yep. Uh, he, maybe he can Maybe he can get an action movie deal or something. My understanding is he's got, like, his own, like, health uh food business going on so i i think because he had a he had to find a way to diversify and make money during his two-year suspension so he oh, of created course, a, yeah he created a, a dieting health food business so um I, I he's got that to retire on i think he should just um yeah yeah at, at this point he really has nothing else to prove it's like he he made his way up to a title shot he fought he got injured in it and he lost so all right, and then uh, looks like uh, Matthew. Um, so the main the main event of the night was the lightweight title bout. So uh, if you want to run 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 us through this one again about what led up to it, what happened. Well, it was for the vacant vacant. Yeah. It was for the the vac- vacant lightweight title, but the reality is Charles Oliveira never lost it. And he was fighting Islam Makashev, who is um, Khabib Nurmagomedov's um, teammate. And uh, Islam fulfilled his uh, fulfilled his um, his his uh, his destiny, and he won the title. So, as far as I'm concerned, this was for the lineal championship, and Islam took it. So. Yep. And he's not he's now the lightweight champ. So that's interesting. And Khabib was in his corner and he was happy for him. So, you know. So Khabib kind of he Khabib stays involved, right? He yeah, just doesn't he's, fight anymore. Yeah, he stays involved. He at one point actually had bought an MMA promotion in Russia and they were starting to run shows in the US. Right until but then, recent, but then you know an ongoing conflict happened recently yeah. and you know kind of ruined that so okay but yeah yeah he's been involved and yeah he was he's he coached uh, Islam so okay yeah so things are things are rolling obviously with within the UFC so yeah the. Um, I, I'm hearing rumors, um, not set in stone yet, but that John Jones might be finally making his, uh, his, um, heavyweight debut either in, either, uh, December or January, Mm -hmm. probably against Stipe Miocic. Really? (laughs) So John Jones is deciding to try and move up, huh? And it. 
Well, he's been wanting to do that for a while. And incidentally, I don't know how he made light heavyweight for as long as he did. Yeah. Because he's a tall guy. Yeah, he is. And very, very long reach. Yeah. So I... Now, the question is whether he is, will he still be able to maintain the advantage that he has? But because considering he's, you know, he, because it, it's one of those things where, you know, you have an advantage in certain weight classes, but the higher you go up, the less that advantage becomes plausible. Because even though John Jones st- uh, walks around, like, I think he's walking around 240 nowadays. Mm-hmm. Maybe even 250, but, you know, is he still going to have that um, speed, that athletic ability? Is he going to have all that? Is is, is that going to translate to, to um, you know, is that going to translate? Because it's because it's um, like for like, let's throw an example out there for Overeem. Overeem was not doing well at light at or middleweight. It was in pride. But he bulked up and he became more powerful at heavyweight. And, you know, it worked out for him. You know, question is, can John Jones make that translate? Not to mention, John Jones, because of all of his ongoing stuff, Jackson Winklejohn uh, threw him out of the gym, finally. I don't know why they didn't throw him out earlier. Because um, Greg Jackson and... Um, Henry Winklejohn are not the type of guys who... Is it Henry Winklejohn? The the those they're they're nice guys. They're not the type of guy. They're like they're 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 more like philosophical coaches. Mm-hmm. And I honestly was just like, how is it that these guys who are very nice family men putting up with this with you know this idiot? <laughs> and then finally, they just said, we've had enough. You need to check your. Uh, so it's really a question of are we really going to see the same John Jones if he really does make his debut at, at heavyweight, if he's fighting at Jackson Winkle, John? Well, we'll have to see. So um, just to kind of, I think, if we're looking at upcoming events in the UFC, we've got uh, we've got a fight night coming up this Saturday, uh, Rodriguez versus Lemos, and then... The next pay-per-view is the following weekend, Adesanya versus Pereira. Um, so. The main event for this upcoming fight night, I would say that the winner should get the um, winner of uh, Esparza versus uh, um, Zhang at okay. uh, uh, UFC 281. Mm-hmm. Because they've they've uh, they've both been on a rise. I I really do think that, and they've been going. They've they've both been on the rise. They've both been going on tear. They've been beating all the the best people. Oh, and this is really appropriate. Marina Rodriguez's only loss is to Carla Esparza. Mm. And Marina Rodriguez honestly reminds me of like younger like. Ultimate form alpha status, uh, Joanna and Jurchik. Mm. But she, yeah, she's big, she's a kickboxer, she has most of the advantage against, um, what's it called? Um, you know, straw weights. Mm-hmm. Oh, and they both beat the same gal, both, uh, both beat, um, 
both beat the Karate Hattie Michelle Watterson. All right. Well, it should be interesting to see what will happen. Well, and you know what's going to be interesting with, uh, with uh, and I know I'm talking like a few weekends ahead, but UFC 281 on Asanya versus Pereira. Um, Israel Adesanya lost to one guy in his kickboxing career, and that's Alex Pereira, who he's defending the title against at Madison Square Garden on November 12th. Yeah. So. <laughs> it's fate, fate tying people together. All right. Well, Matthew, are we ready to move on then? So it should be. Well, we'll see how things are going to go with that. And obviously, we're setting up some title fights and stuff for the upcoming events. So we'll we'll be monitoring to see how that's going. And then uh, we've got another kind of, uh, you know, a former UFC fighter uh, in another event that took place. Matthew, I think if you know what I'm referring to. <laughs> That some somehow this this still happens and people buy the pay per views, you know. This and is what obviously, boxing has come to nowadays. It's this it's, is what boxing this this is what boxing has come to nowadays. It's, it's a, a freak show. Just, yeah, freak show. It's like, it's like, bunch no, of celebrities. It's like, no, let's not watch Tyson Fury. Let's not watch Deontay Wilder. Let's not watch these. You know, it's like they still have pay per views. Like, yeah, let's not watch these guys. Let's watch. Jake, YouTuber Jake Paul versus former UFC middleweight champion Anderson Silva. Let's watch that. This is what boxing has come to. So Jake Paul, uh, <laughs> I like, I like, I, I, I Googled it, and um, you know, <laughs> this thing from CBS Boxing. Jake Paul versus Anderson Silva fight results. Highlights undercard complete guide from Arizona. Paul maintained his undefeated record against an all-time great in the sport of MMA. Means absolutely nothing. Means absolutely nothing. Um, yeah, let's let's let yeah let let's. I have his record here. Let's look at this. Okay, so his first his first fight was an amateur fight. He beats a YouTuber. His first professional bite fight in. So in 2018 was when he went against the YouTuber. His first professional fight, I 2020, he beats a YouTuber. His second professional fight, 2020, he beats Nate Robinson, a former basketball player. Third fight, 2021, beats Ben Askren. Second and fourth fights in 2021, beats Tyrone Woodley twice. First time gets a split decision, second time he gets a, a knockout. And here we are. Here brutal. we are now. Um, in 2022, his his sixth fight, and he's beating Anderson Silva, 47 year old Anderson Silva. I'll tell you what, though that 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 knockout of Tyrone Woodley, that was brutal. You know, here's the thing: he's fighting at cruiserweight, which I believe is like what what is what is boxing cruiserweight? What the heck yeah, is they got a, they got way more weights than um, MMA. Let's see what is boxing cruiser weight? Boxing cruiser weight. 
200 pounds. He, he's fighting 200 pounds. Yeah, because Silva was wrestling middleweight. Oh, yes. Well, Sil- yeah, Silva, Silva fought at, at light heavyweight several times at 205. So Silva is the only natural, um, what's it called? He's the only natural um, fighter. Fi- fighter of that weight that's around Paul's size. But as we pointed out, Paul has 20 years on him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, really? Uriah Hall fought as well. Oh, uh, yeah. I... Former UFC fighter Uriah Hall. Oh, and he won. Well, congrats to Uriah Hall. I think this is his boxing debut. Yeah, congrats on his boxing debut against Devon Bell, who is... This, this is what this has come to. Showtime. Showtime. Is putting on these freak shows. Yep, Showtime. Between, yeah, Showtime is putting on these freak shows. He, you know, he's putting this on between, you know, Jake Paul, a YouTuber, and Anderson Silva, former UFC fighter, and P, and also fights like Raya Hall, former UFC fighter, and Devon Bell, former NFL player. This, this is what the sport of boxing has come to. And, you know, I'm very glad that MMA's mostly gotten away from this, but let's face it, Dana White, even though he'd like to generally do, um, you know, um, actual yes. fights. Yes. And let's, make, and let's face it, Brock Lesnar was a legitimate, you know, when he went to the UFC, he was a legitimate fighter. He was an NCAA champion. He, you know, he'd, he'd actually had a fight in, in MMA before, actually gone against an actual MMA fighter before he went, before he went to the UFC, actually fought and beat, you know, multiple champions. Well, and when, when he would fight, he was, he was a legit, you know, he'd get some legit, you know, hits in and knockouts and stuff, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it, you know, he, he, he was. He was, for all intents and purposes, an actual fighter because he went out there. And even Bobby Lashley, Bobby Lashley, same thing. But you know, he re- wrestled in the, wrestled in the army, three-time NAI champion. You know, it's he. They both came from, you know, even though they look like you know big old muscly, like you know, fighters. You know, they were actually they actually had, you know, wrestling backgrounds, whereas. Where you know, but but you do have those cases where Dana White did like to indulge, not as much as the Japanese. Let's face it, the Japanese promotions yeah, are the, like enjoy the Japanese, indulging in Yeah, the they, they love that stuff too. They okay. had the Super Hulk tournament, which was just all freak shows. I remember when they they got um, one of the years when I was in Japan, when I was there with mom and dad, and. Um, yeah, the Ryzen, Ryzen does that a lot, and they had like Gabby Garcia, you know who Oh she yeah, they is, did the, right? ga- yeah, they did, I don't know why Gabby Garcia hasn't fought lately, because there are women he, she could fight. They had her go against someone who is like 30 pounds lighter than her, and you know, Gabby was just laying down the gauntlet on the, on the other girl, and uh, it was, it was a joke, you know, and um, they'll get, you know, I mean, hey, the promotions, they, they, when the promotions have the money, man, they'll bring out people that, um, I think, I remember, I think the one, what was it, the one kickboxing or 
kickboxing win that Akebono got in his career was against, I think, his, what was it? Kadoda. Remember Kadoda? He was the referee. Yeah, he was a, a lot ref. Of yeah, he, he was, was a ref. ref. He's like, yeah, he's like Frank Trigg, who, you know, had an actual career, and then he actually went into, and then after his career, he decided to do uh, officiating. Right, so they got Kadoda to, to come out of retirement to fight Akebono, and even that fight went the distance. And and so it was a decision for, for Akebono. That was his sole win was against a guy who was in his, I don't know, 50s or something. Like Let's that. face it, Akebono, it's like, yeah, Akebono was just a pure freak show. He was big and he, you know, excelled in the national sport of Japan. But the problem was he had no other kind of combat sports experience. He went, he, when he played in high school, he played basketball. Mm-hmm. Konishiki had more combat experience than that. He did football. It would have made more sense. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like it would have made more sense for either of those guys to have done MMA. But no, they chose Akebono, who had a basketball ex- who had basketball experience. Well and was used to was used to doing this. I don't <laughs> I, I, I don't think Konishiki would have taken it. <laughs> I don't. I don't think anyone would have wanted to fight Konishiki, to be honest. Well, yeah. After after you know, and and I don't after, think after two Japanese fights with Emmanuel Yarborough, one of one in which he just pancaked on top of the guy. Well, no, I don't think Konishiki would have been able to handle it because you know his knees at the time were just were shot. Well, aren't his knees? Even though he's lost like three hundred pounds, aren't his knees not exactly good? Still, no, I don't think he does. Like you know, well. I don't know what he does nowadays. You know, he he does stuff. He you does, know, he gets around. I actually watched, watched a bunch of videos. He does like public speaking and stuff like that. And well, yeah. oh, you know, I love this. He had a very good quote. So during the pandemic, he was traveling around creating businesses. Like he's got his own line of like barbecue sauce now. So mm-hmm. he was like creating his own business and stuff like that. And um he was traveling around during the pandemic, and his friends were like, what are you doing? You're going to get COVID. I kid you not. His quote, and you can look this up on, like, I forget what the um, what the Hawaiian media outlet was, but his quote was, "I would." it's like, if I get COVID and die, at least I died on my feet doing something than sitting at home doing nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I do see nowadays because I follow his I follow his Instagram. He's got an Instagram, so um, I, I see him a lot when he's in Japan nowadays. Uh, he hangs out a lot at uh, Musashigawa Beya, you know. So he kind of, you know, helps Musashi Maru out. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. It's my, it's, well. I heard that Musashi Madu's nephew at one point got in the professional sumo. His nephew got into it. He didn't really stay long. Um, there was another guy from Texas who was um, he was half black, half Japanese, and he oh, got, I told you. Yeah, and he got around. So he was able to get around the the foreigner um, limit policy. Because he w- he used his mom's birthplace as his place of origin in the Kyokai, and they allowed that, and um, so that's how he got in. Because at that time, yeah, 
Musashi's nephew was also wrestling. So this guy. Oh, so they were in the same Baya. Right. right. They were in the same Baya. Two guys from the U.S., but um, you know, only one of them was fulfilling the 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 foreigner rule. Limit. Right. The limit. So you had that, and and that's what a lot of guys are doing nowadays, especially if they're kind of like naturalized. So you're you're having there's a lot of Mongolians, you know, they come over as exchange students and then they, you know, they're going to Japanese school and that's how they're, you know, they get their their permanent residence and that's how they're getting in into um, into sumo because they don't have to worry about the foreigner rule. But in that way, they can also partnership maybe with in certain where like maybe there is a Mongolian who hits the quota rule and they can still actually you know. right well and a lot of it has to do with these feeder schools you know there's a lot of powerhouse you know high schools or colleges you know in Japan and and they feed into into the the Kyokai like, uh, what was it? Totori Johoku, I know, is a really powerful school. Saitama Sakai, who is a pretty strong wrestling school, but they're they're also a top competitor in in the Japanese sumo world. Is that is that one of the uh, w- one of the um, uh, what's it called? Is that one of the um, schools that Enho came from? Um, I'd have to look it up. I know that Enho went to Nihon University also. I think that's how he, because he went there first before getting in. Yeah, like I like I know that he was like a two-time um, uh, sumo world champion before he actually, as a lightweight. Mm-hmm. Let's see, Enho. Let's see, where did he go? So he went to oh Kanazawa Gakuin. Okay. Kanazawa Gakuin. Uh, I don't know if that's... If they're really great. Yeah, he was a world sumo junior champion. And then he went on to Kanazawa Gakuin University. So he just went through that feeder school. And yes, he was also a student-athlete champion tournament. Yeah, champion. So yeah, Enho's been around too. But yeah, that's how that goes. But so another you one know, of our you know us uh, an interesting thing I actually read up. Um, you know, it's you know in theory the only um the only Japanese sumo ranking system would be in professional sumo. But I actually read up um. The United States Sumo Federation actually has a sumo ranking system. Really? It's yeah. Is it is it available to see? Yeah, it, it is. You, you go you go on the web. Uh, you'd have to go around on on the website, but it, yeah, it's it's got a ranking system and it's structured on a lot of the belt systems. Oh, really? Huh, interesting. U.S. Sumo Federation. I mean, do you have to be a member in order to be ranked on there? 
that that is the thing. Yeah, in order to yeah, in order to oh, get the so ranking be on there. And you actually have to be um after the first rank, you actually do have to be active in competition. Yeah, and and you tell me Andrew's not sure where they're going to hold the the actual US Sumo Championships, right? Yeah, next year they don't they don't know yet. So, kind of hard to tell, but You'll be you'll be getting in there to do the the sumo open, right? Yeah, I'm yeah I'm gonna be doing that. I don't there's no kind of conflicts with my my day job or anything like that. So yeah, schedule you can take. And that. that's and that is not you know it's it's they have like four or five different categories of tournaments. They're like oh state, regional, <laughs> international. It's just like I think that counts as a pretty high. Honestly, I would be honestly um. Like just to get the um the what's it called ranking, I'd be tempted to uh um like just advance through the rankings, I'd be tempted to get the the um the membership. Yeah, the membership. So another one of our tangents, as you can see, but uh kind of to go back to Jake Paul versus Anderson Silva. Yeah, that's just just it's just, it's just uh, you know, it, it's funny because Nate Diaz was recently talking about it's like his last fight was the last on his contract. And he was talking about maybe going to box. I'm just like, I'm just like, Nate, you have a professional boxing background. I know you can go and beat this guy. Shut him up. Yeah, because he does a lot of talking. <laughs> does a lot of talking. Uh, yeah, I, I bet you if, if like, Nate. Shut it's like shut this guy up. If if Nate were to challenge him, I tell you, Jake would Jake would run away with his tail between his legs. If if Nate were to he, step he, on the scene, he tried to he tried to pick a he literally tried to pick a fight with Daniel Cormier, and Cormier was like, "Do not mess with me." And Cormier said he's willing to fight him in MMA, specifically in MMA. He's not willing to box with him. He said, "I will, I will fight him in MMA. I will cut down." It's like, it's like he's he's he likes being, for lack he his words, not mine. He likes being fat, but he he specifically said that he would he would cut down to light heavyweight and he would fight him in MMA. He will not fight him in boxing. Mm, yeah, he he's he's not gonna play. Uh... He's not gonna play his game. Yeah, he's. Yeah, he's he said he's not gonna play his game. He's not gonna do that. It's like, yeah, I was like, put up or shut up. You're either gonna fight me in MMA or you're not gonna fight or work. You know, it's like it's like fight me in MMA or shut up. <laughs> but you know, so now now it's gonna be a matter of it's like, well, who who's gonna be dumb enough to fight him? Because there's gonna be another schmuck. There's gonna be another person that gets sucked into the, the 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 paycheck. You know, I've actually um in one of his YouTube videos, um, what's it called? Um, Jake Paul actually did show a hit list, and it had the Diaz brothers on it. Oh, good. So and it's and well, another thing is that it had a lot of well, you know, the Diaz brothers were active in the U, you know, in the UFC at the time. Dana White full on. Dana White might have been on the list too, which is not smart because that's where his 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 uh, combat experience is. But yeah, he was like, 
Yeah, he, he said, like, yeah, Dana White was not happy. He's like, and he said, stop trying to poach my fighters. They're under contract. Stop trying to poach my fighters. It's like, it, yeah, it's like, I hope Jake Paul puts his money where his mouth is. It's like, put your money where your mouth is. And it's like, if it's like Nate said he's willing to go into boxing. It's like, if, if he says he's willing to go into boxing, guess what? He has boxing experience. So it's like, it, you know, it's like you want to you want to smack talk and you want to put uh, Nate on your your hit list. Then put your money where your mouth is. Fight and go on the hit list. And, you know, we we it's like we have seen what happens when Nate Diaz goes in there and he does his boxing. He it's like. Yeah, it's not pretty. Yeah, because it's as both both Diaz brothers have actual boxing experience. Mm-hmm. So, yep. Yeah. All right. Well, so it's let's... like yeah. If you're, it's it's like you know what, Jake Paul. If you're willing to do this freak show, and Nate's willing to do it, then fine. Go go do it. But you know, you might turn out like Conor McGregor turned out. <laughs> and the only reason why Conor McGregor beat him in their second match was because he was doing the the fight and run away thing, which worked with the judges. Because when he tried to actually box him, guess what? It didn't work out. And then he realized, oh, my gosh, this guy's not falling. All right, Matt. Well, we'll move on then. Uh, so that was an interesting one. Uh, a lot of uh, stuff that we had to kind of our opinions and uh, much needed opinions, honestly, uh, about this stuff. You know, it's like you and I both like to see legit fights or Legit matches taking place, and uh, not really one to waste our times on uh, <laughs> clown shows. Fish, fish in the pond. So let's get I, right into know, this, the, Matthew. The, you know the occasion, the occasional freak show is okay, but it's like Bob Sapp versus Akibono one that will forever live in our minds. <laughs> yeah, the second one was really disappointing. It was, yeah. You know, but anyway. Yeah, we didn't have any beached whale moments. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I, it's like I, I know that I might be being a tad bit disrespectful to Akebono now, considering the, you know, the, the state he's in, but it's just like, I'm sorry. Whenever I, I, it's like, whenever I saw him, he just reminded me of a beached whale. And I will keep saying it again. Yep. And we and you know his you know he he and he his wife and his kids were all you know sitting ringside and she's holding on to her kids like oh my gosh I mean well I'll show she, my hubby yeah well yeah it is There's what it a is lot of, I've been seeing a lot of fighters saying that you know that I've seen a lot of fighters said that they should not um you know like their significant others and their wives they should not be ringside. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, watching their their um their their parent or their significant other get battered, right? Because it kind of traumatizes the kids. Yeah. All right, Matthew. We've got one more topic to cover tonight, and it is One Piece 1064. So we're moving along with um we're moving along in the Vegapunk arc, as you know um. 
And one interesting thing now um, that we both discovered, and uh, we're going to cover it very shortly. But let's start with the with the cover cover story arc, which is obviously um, you know the Germa sixty six. Um, you know they're escaping from uh, the whole Cake Island. Uh, you know versus the the Big Mom pirates. And, and an interesting thing we see is that uh, somehow. And it looks like this is confirmed that indeed uh, we see that Van Alger and uh, what's his name Kuzan show up and they're and they're capturing uh, what's her name uh, the the Charlotte um, daughter that was uh, going to be engaged to Sanji Charlotte Pudding, pudding. yeah Pudding so they show up and they capture her so that's where it was. So that confirms that Kuzan is working with the Blackbeard Pirates. But to what extent, you know, and this has been the subject of, of, you know, theories and stuff like that in the One Piece community for a while, you know, is Kuzan really working for the Blackbeard Pirates or is he a double agent? But we are confirmed now that he is working with them. It's just a matter of on his own volition or is he a double agent? I don't know. What do you think, Matthew, at this point? It could it could go. Well, like to me, it's like him being an actual part of the Blackbeard Pirates just does not attest to his characters. Like, why would he um, like why? Why would he do that? Yeah. So uh, it's it's possible. It is possible. Yeah. That's very true. So anyway. But going into the chat into the main chapter itself, so uh, I think this was. Uh, so let me see here. If I'm looking at the wiki, uh, this one happened to be you know the battle continues between the Blackbeard Pirates and Law's crew, and uh, and we're seeing that. Um, you know, we're seeing that more of the Blackbeard pirates have eaten devil fruits, and we're seeing that. Uh, but we're seeing that the the other crewmates of Law aren't as weak as they appear to be because they're able to swim underwater and stuff like that, thanks to them not being devil fruit users. But I guess you know when you're in the north. When the in when you're in the North Blue, uh, you get to develop uh, a lot more better swimming capabilities. Well, not just that, but they're in a submarine. Right. So yeah, it it's you know it's initially it's like um, a lot of people like Grand Line Review was stating that um, what's it called um. That the um, the hard pirates didn't stand much of a chance, but um, it's looking like they're actually holding their own against the Blackbeard pirates. I mean, the the obviously they're not they're not going to beat the Blackbeard pirates. So uh, you know, a, a victory for them would be that they can escape and no heavy casualties, or they yeah, or they. I, they I get, think- yeah, I think I think that's basically what what they're trying to do. Law, the, the, it's like they're they're just trying to hold their own long enough to find an uh, opportunity to to escape. Yeah, 
The, yeah. the reality is you can't fight every sing you cannot fight and win every single battle, especially if you're going up against, you know, someone who's more uh, powered than you. So sometimes you just have to admit that you, you know, you have to cut your losses, admit that you're, you're uh, out, outmanned or not, not, not outmanned in this case, but outgunned. And you just have to, you just run, fight. Right. It's like, get re- The important thing is fighting another day. In the end, right. that, that's well, what you have to be able to do. Well, and considering this, you know, they just got done fighting two Yonkos. And then they're all of a sudden in the battle with a third Yonko. Yeah, that's... so this, this is, this is, yeah, no joke. So, yeah, it's just, it's, un, it's like, just, just, it's like, win, you it's do like yeah, can. winning is just not that important in this case it's like don't don't be stubborn it's it's like who's the dude that um who's the dude that that uh ace on uh, uh had to face off against um when uh when sabo was um the it, in, in east blue but when uh when oh um, yeah when they um in in the flashback yeah, that that guy specifically said, and um, I I think he said he said only two people, like two types of people. Um, I think he's. I, I'd like to say the quote was only two types of people survive: the cowards and the smart ones. Right, and the brave die first. Something along those lines, right? But this is definitely the case here, and it's like, this is not time to be stupid, or is it the brave and the stupid die first? Something along those lines. But the point is, this is—it's like this is not the time. This is not the time, right? To try to, and the, we're not talking about dumb pirates either. The 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 hard pirates, including Law, are a lot smarter, so they know right. they can't. You know, they know that the Blackbeard Pirates are overpowered with all the Devil Fruit powers. They know that they can't win this. So, just you know, find a way to get out of there. Or Shammy. What? Or Shammy. That was his name from the Blue yeah. Jam Pirates. Yeah, it's like it's like at this point, it's like find. It's like what you need to do is find a way to get out of there. That's what you need to do. It's winning is not as important as as living to fight another day and just getting out of there. So here's so now we'll we'll get into the the interesting part is that they kind of pan away, um, you know, while they're fighting, while the heart pirates and the Blackbeard pirates are fighting, um, they go to another panel uh, where I think was it Van? Yeah, Van Alger, I think, or no, um, not Van Alger. Some other pirates are kind of taunting a prisoner on the Blackbeard ship, and it is Charlotte Pudding. So she was indeed captured by Van Alger and Kuzan. And so we're seeing that the story, the cover story, somehow is converging in, in real time. Now, in the past, um, you know, the cover story arts normally they they kind of run adjacent to you know the story, but they've never really 
converged into the main arc until we see, you know, it doesn't converge in, in real time. This is the first time we're seeing that it's converging in real time because normally we see the after effects of, you know, the cover story arcs. Uh, they, 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 what may end up happening is nothing really happens. It's just an epilogue to a story arc, but, uh, you know, we also may see that it'll converge into the story, you know, much later. And the best example of that is when, you know, the, the, the very first arc, which was Buggy and Alveda meeting up and then Buggy reuniting with the, you know, with his crewmates after they found his body and stuff. So I, what do you think of this direction that Oda is, is taking in regards to that? Um, it's definitely interesting um, to see that kind of a merger, but I'm wondering if there might still be like intertwined stuff. But then again, you know, Fat Alger's got that ability to essentially teleport. Yeah, he's so got that. I don't think, even though the, the um, what's it called, pirates? The um, Art pirates? Even... No, 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 no. Um, the um, the black. Well, and that's that's where things kind of got twisted because the Blackbeard pirates popped up out of nowhere during the uh, the Germa sixty six um, uh, exit right. strategy. Well, do you think that do you think that might have to do with Van Alger's um ability? I think he's got the type of ability to, yeah, where he can he can duck in and out. Well, maybe not just him, but do you think that if he's touching something, he can cause that to warp also? I mean, that's that's certainly a possibility. We just don't know a whole lot. Cause, well, because here's the thing. Within a short amount of time, you had Van Alger. I think it has to be that way because within a short amount of time, you had Van the um blackbeard pirates appear at amazon lily and then here they are appearing at that other island and then they're also showing up at um uh what's what's the uh what's what's the um whole cake island yeah whole cake island so they're jumping around all over the place yeah, it kind of seems, you know, funny that they're they're able to ambush, you know, all these groups in a very short amount of time. Well, it, that's it, definitely it what's happened. It's got to be because of Van Alger's ability, because they don't like what else do they have? Right. Yeah, so that's kind of interesting in that, and then we're seeing that Sakazuki gets informed of the battle, but he's frustrated because the fleet admiral can only do so much <laughs> yeah it's it's funny how he said he said no one told me that a lot of this job is waiting around doing nothing so i i i think i think he's getting the um the uh uh james t kirk syndrome uh where he wants to actually Get he wants to actually be place. out. Yeah, he wants to be out in the field instead of um, behind the desk. Know, behind the desk. Yeah. Now he's finally getting a, he's getting a taste of that. Well, you know, and, and Sakazuki in his case, you know, he gets frustrated because if the if the 
at least what he knows, you know, is the Gorose when they make their moves and they don't tell him what's going on. And then, like, especially when he's arguing with the Gorose, that, you know, they they tell him that they don't, they're, they're not obligated to share any information with him. And the other thing is we know for a fact that, you know, not not everything that they're doing is of their of their own decisions, you know, because they'll be acting based on what Im was deciding. Yeah, they're going they're going off of Im's orders, and it's you know, it's still kind of hard to tell like what kind of temperament Im has, because for all we know, he has the. I'm not sure if he uh, he doesn't necessarily have the temperament of a child, but Im definitely is not predictable. Right. Is the the best way of putting it. Yeah, like what what lights you know is he trying to sting, extinguish? You know, sort of thing. Because like well, we 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 know we know what kind of power he controls he you know he controls most likely the power of a of a of uranus weapon that can wipe out off out of an island right makes the bus make, makes a buster carl look like a snowball right cuz at least the buster call the the island is still there yeah it's just barren it's, yeah but Whatever Eam has, whether it's his own devil fruit or whether it's, you know, actually the ancient weapon Uranus, you know, the whole island is gone. So that's, you know, it's kind of a scary thing. So when we go, so once we get past that, then we were saying that, um, you know, Jory Bonnie, Luffy, Chopper, and Jinbei have all hidden um, from the pacifista. And uh, she she aged Luffy and Chopper into old men, and then she she um, de-aged, or she made Jinbei and herself younger. And so Jinbei is kind of looking like how he did. Uh, remember when uh, Oda drew the Shibukai as kids? Yeah. So he's kind of back to that. So I'll be interested to see what he sounds like. Um, you know when they eventually animate this episode. <laughs> um, you know, something I kind of miss is Jimbe's older, uh, old voice because the, you know, the voice actor passed away. Right, yeah. That's true. So, you know, we're seeing obviously that, um, you know, Bonnie doesn't know the history between, you know, the Straw Hats and the Pacifistas. And, you know, Bonnie's just trying to protect who she thinks is, you know, her father. But the interesting thing is, I don't think she knows, I'm not sure she knows which one is which. You know, if she, if she sees only one, she might think that that's her father. But there's no, I don't know if we can really tell which, which one is the real one. Although, if I recollect, the revolutionary revolutionary army has the original Kuma. Yeah, they do, but she may not know that. Right, she probably doesn't know that. So, um, now it looks like we have some insight, you know, and Jinbei is, is being a resourceful, you know, 
person for information, much like Robin usually is. So, you know, Jinbei, what he's aware of in regards to Kuma is that Kuma, you know, he, he was the king of the Sorbet kingdom. Uh, but apparently he was a tyrant, and hence why he's his nickname is the Tyrant. Um, and he was he was kicked out of the kingdom uh, by the people, and then he became a pirate after that. So, but somehow I guess he got convinced into joining the Revolutionary Army, uh, and during that time he was captured by the Marines, and you know sentenced to life imprisonment. Uh, but Vegapunk decided he wanted to use Kuma as a test subject. So, and in order to be allowed freedom, uh, as part of a, a, bar, a bargain with, you know, Vegapunk and the world government, Kuma agreed to become a clone. Um, and in return, he was, you know, made a free person as part of the uh, Shibukai. So that would explain why Kuma would kind of go around doing stuff, but he was a lot more uh, in line with following orders, you know, from the world government when it came to Shibukai-related business. Uh, but he still kind of had a some autonomy because, as you recall, as we both would recall, you know, he didn't kill the Straw Hats. Uh, like he was originally ordered to do. Right? Yeah, it, it does... Um, kind of makes sense now with everything. Well, yeah, and it, it's... Um, and part of that does have to do with... Um, uh, what's his name? Um, Megapunk? Yeah, Vegapunk and Vegapunk willing to um, uh, deal with uh, and also allow some kind of programming flexibility. Because, right. for example, um, before Kuma at least temporarily went into um, uh, not hiding, but um, right. Uh, uh, temporarily became a full cyborg um he was uh he asked that his um you know he be allowed to uh to protect the thousand sunny until the straw right. hats came back right yep that's true um you know and bonnie obviously does not uh she obviously disagrees that kuma was a tyrant in the in the sorbet kingdom so I mean, I feel like there's one. There's another one of those things that we're not. We're not. There's like details we're not seeing. Right. We're not. We're not privy to everything as of right now, because you know you've got information on one side, but then you've also got information and experience from the other. So it's kind of hard to tell what the truth is at this point. Uh, you know, and if Bonnie, you know, being the daughter of Kuma, she'd probably know more about what happened than you know other people would think, but. There's going to be things that she didn't know what happened. You know, Kuma may have done stuff that she was not privy to. You just never know. 
Yeah, and we're it's one of those things where we're probably gonna see details unfold um, as the this this arc is probably gonna be the the Kuma like backstory arc that we're gonna be able to understand things. That's true. So as we're closing out the chapter, uh, obviously the other part of the crew with who are with the Styles and Sunny are um, you know arriving on the Egghead Island, which is where, uh, you know, Vegapunk is. So, and then the other thing is that, let's see here. I think the most important thing that we see at the end of this chapter, Matthew, is the fact that Shaka, who is supposed to be the, you know, the, I think it's the, he's the main uh, personality of Vegapunk. This kind of makes me wonder too, but but before I get into my theory, so he it, it's shown that he's talking with Dragon, who senses and he senses that his uh, imminent death is approaching, so he's going to talk to Dragon. So that's how we close out the chapter. So what I'm kind of thinking is that maybe Dragon also used to work with Vegapunk. Uh, Obviously, we know that Caesar used to work with Vegapunk, but Dragon put it, could have been a partner. And I'm wondering if, because of what, you know, the experiments or things that Dragon saw may have led him to become a revolutionary, you know, to oppose the world government because of maybe there were horrendous experiments going on. Maybe he even was forced to do those experiments. Yeah, it's, uh, we're definitely learning a lot in this home stretch and, you know, this is, you know, this is going to be the Vegapunk. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we're going to learn a lot more about Vegapunk and then we're going to learn a lot more about, um, uh, Kuma. And it's, it's going to be Ollie. interesting. It's going to be interesting to see what all it entails. And, you know, for all we know, um, it was possible that um, uh, that Dragon programmed a, um, like, a back door that would allow um, uh, Kumo to be free of the, you know, the complete cyborg stuff. It, it, It feels like Vegapunk, like, has contingencies. Uh, involved and it looks mm-hmm. like th- we're seeing this all come out yeah but it'll definitely be interesting to see how the rest of this arc goes because for all we know uh, you know the straw hats could come out a lot stronger than you know yeah they could get like they could get te- technological upgrades and stuff that is a possibility um yeah, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. Well, like, one example is that, um, uh, again, Grand Line Review um, mentioned in one of his reviews that, you know, when we found out that um, only uh, that one of the weapons of um, Vegapunk was something that had the ability to hit light, that it might come into play against... Um, uh Saturn? Yeah, Kizaru. Because he's pure light, so imagine right. someone, you know, coming, you know, him going at 
someone and someone taking the light gauntlets and like poof. <laughs> okay. Oh my gosh. All of a sudden I just thought of like Bellamy. He's out of getting Bellamy'd. Mmm. Yeah. That'd be interesting. Uh, all right. Well, yeah, that's kind of where we're at. And yeah, there's just so much that, that, you know, could be happening with this. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be interesting. And, and uh, here's what I think also. I think the actual Vegapunk is dead. That's what I think. I think Shaka is is really the one remaining, you know, the 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 normal part of of Vegapunk. I think the real Vegapunk is dead. In my Probably from old age or something. Right. And you know he split himself into six. You know, but so the way I'm seeing it is that the the actual wisdom part, if they kill that off, then they will be able to control, you know, the rest of Vegapunk's, um, you know, assets and his creations and technology. That's what I'm thinking is why CP0 is going out there. In my mind. Well, unless unless he, like, um, unless he uh, developed a, uh, um, or create a, a I don't know if we'd call it a dead man switch or a, you know an off switch. Right. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. Anyway, so that's where we're at. So the new chapter, Matthew, is going to be coming out this uh, this coming weekend. So we'll have to see how it goes, and it'll definitely be something that we'll be discussing, and uh, you know, for that. All right. Well, Matthew, so I think uh, we'll go ahead and uh, wrap up this, uh, this episode then. And uh, so thank you, everybody, for coming out. And, uh, you know, we are seeing the, the Super Mario with the Jana and then the, the, the Kylo, Kylo Matthew is, uh, is, uh, who is uh, out here. So... Yes, uh, we see the Kylo Matthew. So, uh, Kylo Matthew, uh, uh, where 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 can our uh, our fans uh, find us on on the on the, the, the internet? The the fans can find us on the video format on YouTube Rumble, and we are working on Odyssey. Video the audio format can be found at Acast, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon Music, Samsung, and. Okay, and the, the Matthew, uh, the Kylo Matthew is, uh, he, he's on uh, uh, the, 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 the Twitter. Also, we are also on, on Twitter. Oh, yes. Yes, and uh, Kylo Matthew is also on uh, Twitter himself, uh, at the Matthew Salzer, and then he runs the MMA Freak. Uh, on the Twitter, it is uh, MMA, at MMA Freak Out. And then the, the website is mma-freak.com. All right, uh, so, Carlo Matthew, thank you very much for coming out today. And this is uh, Mario John. So uh, all uh, our friends, uh, 
we're going to see you next time and I uh, hope you have a uh, great day. We will talk to you uh, soon.